Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems podcast and Rachel's Reviews. And I'm really excited to be here to talk about Hidden Gems and Netflix. So this is going to be great. I'm film critic Rachel Wagner, and Ryan is here. Hey, Rachel. It is so good to be with you again. It's so good to hear your voice. And I want to say thank you to everyone who is listening today. Uh, doing this podcast is one of my favorite things to do right now. And so I just... It, the podcast has been taking off, you know, we're, uh, we're, uh, we're hot as fire right now. And I just, I'm just yeah. super grateful for it. Me too. Super grateful. And we had the opportunity this last week to be on Jim Gisrael's channel over at his, uh, his channel and to give some HBO max recommendations. So that was pretty fun. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a little surreal because, uh, it, it was like we're getting to the point now where people are like kind of asking us to appear on their stuff or like or yeah. at least like making collaborations you know yeah. it, on other channels and I just I had to listen back to it like three or four times just to make sure that it was a real thing because in my YouTube career I really haven't done too many collaborations yeah. so it's it still is like like oh my god you know like I actually <laughs> did something with a like-minded person you know it's yeah. it, it's it was pretty exciting and like, so we'll have the link for that in the description you all need to check out jim's channel you should all be subscribed to him because he's really cool and very chill and gives great reviews and yeah and y'all need to be collabing with ryan let's get this going let's do this because because he's great and uh and uh, a really fun person to collab with so yeah things are getting exciting uh, it's just it's yeah, really in the uh, cool. in the words of pro wrestling announcer Jim Ross, business is about to pick up. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, so what we do on this show is once a week on Fridays we post this episode where we try to get you to dig a little bit deeper than the big hot properties on these streaming services, uh, and uh, each week we tackle a different streaming service. Uh, we you definitely want to check out our episode on the Peacock Network because that's starting this week. And so uh, if you missed that episode, we can put that in the description as well. Uh, yeah, it's getting pretty exciting. But this week we are talking about Netflix. So, yeah, and, uh, and Peacock, uh, we're, we're recording this episode on July 14th. Peacock drops on Tuesday, the, or to Wednesday, 15th. Yeah, so it so, was uh, aired. Yeah, and and to your point, Rachel, uh, let's just say uh, stuff like the old guard or the rebooted unsolved mysteries will definitely not be on any of our lists. Yeah, we're we're trying to get you to go deeper a little bit more, and so uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and we uh, we have this is our fourth uh, Netflix uh, hidden gems. So uh, so. You, so we're uh, we're getting we're getting deeper here, and uh, I also did cover. If you're looking for Netflix content, I covered the Babysitters Club series on uh, Hallmark's podcast with Austin Burke, fellow YouTuber Austin Burke, and it was really fun. So I can include that in there as well uh, if you're looking for that coverage because it's a great show. It was so well done. Uh, but uh, yeah, today we're talking hidden gems. So what is your first choice? 
So my first choice is from 1971, and it is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, this was this was an adaptation of the Tony Award-winning musical, and uh, it tells uh, it. It's a really long story, but to sum it up in like in just like a few sentences, it's about a man named Tevya. He is an extremely poor milkman living in an out-of-nowhere town in Tsarist Russia around the turn of the century. And he lives in a primarily Jewish village, and they have a seriously strict amount of tradition. Like, they follow the traditions down to the leather, and they have traditions for literally everything. And so, according to tradition, he has five daughters that he's got to marry off, and three of them are becoming their are becoming of that age, and so he's starting to be like, okay, I gotta start making deals. But what he doesn't realize is that change is coming, and uh, and anti-Semitism is rising in the country, as well as change within the village as well. And and he and. It's and the movie is all about what you do when the change does in fact come. Uh, I love this movie. I love this musical really, but I think in terms of Broadway musicals being turned into movies, this may be one of the best, if not the best. Uh, the original Broadway version of Fiddler on the Roof had Zero Mostel in it, and he was supposed to be playing. Uh, playing Tevye in the film version. However, he was unavailable for some reason, and Topple ended up getting the parts. That was about the smartest decision that they could have ever made, because he is truly wonderful in this movie. And he uh, he's just, he's a good guy. He does have his faults. Like, he does get angry. He always looks up to the Lord, and he's like, why do you do this to me, Lord? But at the end of the day, He's just a guy, and he follows what he believes are right, which is the traditions that he has grown up with and known for his entire life. He has high and lofty goals, but he kind of lives in a time where it just doesn't really seem achievable. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of great songs in here, like If I Were a Wealthy Man and Sabbath Prayer and To Life, and they're all excellent. Uh, Norma Crane plays uh, plays Tevye's wife. She is awesome. There's a bunch of other actors from the Broadway play, and they do just as good, if not better. And and I could honestly talk about Fiddler on the Roof for days. And but all I can say is just you have to see it in order to do it justice. My one note about it is that the movie is about three hours long. It's like three hours and a minute long. So. I would suggest planning accordingly to that. However, there is an intermission halfway through. So if you treat it kind of like you're watching a Broadway play and when you see the intermission come and just do whatever you have to do before then. But if you haven't seen Fiddler on the Roof, I do highly recommend it. It's one of the finest movie musicals ever made. Yeah, I think you sold it very, very well. I I think what makes it, right, what I think what makes it interesting for typical non-musical fans is that it's a very natural style of singing, all at least all of Tevye's songs, uh, where he's just kind of uh, he's just sort of talking and singing at the same time. 
like he'll just be kind of like if i were a rich man you know and just sort of the way that you kind of sometimes hum a little ditty uh under your breath is, is sort of the more kind of style of his i'm sure there's a, a correct name for that kind of singing uh but anyway he breaks the fourth wall a lot he talks to the audience he really brings you in in a way that you typically don't see in musicals and that's that i think makes it very easy to 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 watch makes it very very watchable and his you know interactions with his his daughters is very easy to relate to and also even with his wife and uh and it can be quite funny uh it can be quite ridiculous but then also quite sweet uh yeah i absolutely love this musical i was actually considering putting it on my uh on my list and then i saw it was on your list so it was perfect yeah and uh, and, and despite the fact that the movie's three hours long it's also incredibly efficient uh especially yeah. in the opening uh in the opening song tradition you know you get the vibe of the movie literally like within seconds you you learn everything that you have to learn including the who the villagers are who the rabbi is about the russians and their very strict policy of we don't bother them and so far they haven't bothered us that doesn't last long by the way but you know there that is uh, it's three hours long, but there's not a ton of time wasted. Everything is delivered efficiently and to the point. It's not, it, it's not like, let's lollygag around. No, it's like, here's what you need to know, and it carries throughout the rest. And, uh, and one more note before we move on. This movie actually has some of my favorite like one-liners ever. You know, when, uh. when, when some of the villagers you know, are learning about about Russians evicting Jews from a certain village near them. One of them is like, may the Russians grow, grow up with like onions with their heads in the ground. Amen. And I'm just like, wow, you clearly have some stones. And yeah. then one of, one of my all time favorite lines is when this guy runs up to the rabbi and he's like, rabbi, may I ask you a question? And the rabbi is like, certainly. And then the guy says, is there a proper blessing for the czar? And the rabbi says, a blessing for the czar. Ah, uh, yes. May God bless and keep the czar far away from us. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It, it's and just there, so there, many great lines. Yeah, and there's hardly a bad song in the bunch. I mean, probably maybe the weakest song is... Uh, the wonder, wonder, miracle, miracles is, a, is probably the cheap, the cheesiest song of the of the bunch. But, but I don't know. I love uh, the uh, the the song when he's trying to trick his wife into bully into. Uh, oh, that 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 whole number crazy. in the movie is absolutely yeah. nuts. <laughs> yeah, like it just turns into this whole big David Lynch style dream sequence, and you're like, wait a minute, it's been so matter of fact. Where did where did this come from? <laughs> yeah, like why is this old ghost <laughs> woman yelling at me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good, and uh, I love uh, you know matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. Time find me, me fine, catch, catch me, me catch. catch. So good. If I rich man is so great. I also, you know, I love, uh, do you love me? Uh, where they, that's, 
that's that's an amazing song it mm-hmm. may be my favorite it's yeah. like it, it's it's at least number two yeah. it's such a quiet number and in you would think oh they clearly love each other but then you remember they weren't supposed to be married they were in yeah. an arranged marriage so it's yeah. like the question of do they really love each other or is it just because of the traditions that that they've been together for so yeah. long yeah i mean that's what he says is my father and my mother said we'd said learn, we'd to, learn love to love each, each other. other. So now I'm asking Goldie. Uh, Do you love <laughs> me? It's so good. And, you know, the ending is tragic. And I. Oh, God. The ending is heart wrenching, especially the line from Laser Wolf when uh, when he asked Tevya where they're going. And, uh, and, and he says, New York, America, I have a brother there. And Tavi is like, oh, well, that's nice. And Laser's like, I hate him, but yeah. he's family. And that's all we have right now. I'm like, Jesus, because Laser yeah. Wolf is a fairly affluent man, especially in Anatevka, which is a very like dirt poor town. And just for him to lose everything like that, it just, just wow, it's heavy stuff. Right. I also love the, um, the whole sequence with uh, Chavala when she when she makes her decision and you see a little bird, little bird Chavala, Chavala, and he finally reaches the point where he says, "No, no other hand. He, he can't bend that far," and uh, and and yet he does because later on in the you know when they come to say goodbye and you hear him, you hear them uh, yell out where they'll be, and so. You, and even, and and he says he says god be with you yeah yeah so it's it's a great film one of my one of my favorites so uh yeah wonderful i think it's a really really good adaptation of the musical if you like the musical then i think you'll like it and i think that even if you don't love musicals i think it might be one that that you like so good choice <laughs> good choice all right well uh I'll do one of my more, because that, that choice has a lot of gravitas to it. I'll do one of my more gravitas picks as well. So my pick is from 1992. It is the adaptation, of the Ian Forster, uh, Forster novel, uh, Howard's End. I absolutely love the novel and I love the movie. I mean, certainly when it came out, it wasn't a hidden gem. It was highly, highly praised. Uh, won a bunch of Oscars, got nominated for a bunch of Oscars. But I think now today it's one that you kind of have to dig a little bit, bit more for. It's not going to be out there on the front. So I'm counting it. <laughs> and I absolutely love this movie. I think what makes this movie so great is that it is so rich. You have stories from so many characters. I mean, most movies are lucky if you have two dynamic characters that grow and have a full story arc and you really get invested in them this has like nine and which i think is really amazing uh the main thrust of the story is you have two sisters played by emma thompson and helena bonham carter they are the schlegel sisters and they consider themselves very uh sort of contemporary progressive uh educated women in in their time this uh, that this was set and they uh they think that they can kind of intermix between the different classes and that they because they're educated that they can kind of 
be equal and treat everybody the same. Well, they end up coming into contact with this family that's very, very, very wealthy, the Wilcoxes. This is in the Victorian era. And, uh, and so, so it's like the 1900s, early 1900s. And they meet the Wilcoxes who have this, have this summer home called Howard's End. And, uh, and Mr. Wilcox is played by Anthony Hopkins, who is a very traditional capitalist. He, he understands the different roles of the different classes and doesn't, uh, and doesn't uh, see the same thing as the way that the, uh, that Helen and, uh, uh, and uh, Margaret do. And so then they get to know this this family of workers called the bass and they the different roles of these different classes and as they try to to mingle and kind of puts the test of this sort of progressive mindset of these educated sisters to to the test like who's right are the wilkes right are the bass right are the are the schlegels right and and are these are all human beings and what i just love about it is that you really feel for every single character every single character has their motivations that make sense you become invested in every character it's so beautifully made it's so well acted holy cow uh, i mean there's a moment where the anthony where mr wilcox anthony hopkins character starts to cry and this is a person that in most scripts you'd you'd hate because he's the big bad rich guy but you feel for him, you understand what's happened and you understand that he's doing what he thinks is right from his perspective. And so it's, it's just, it's so good. It's so well-made. It's um, uh, done by uh, Merchant Ivory, who were uh, the big team for period pieces in the nineties. And uh, I absolutely just, I love it. I think it's so well done. Have you ever, have you ever seen this or heard of it? I have not seen it, but I've heard a lot about it. Uh, mm. When I was doing when I was doing research for this episode, I was looking it up, and Anthony Hopkins, who is the star of this movie, did *The Silence of the Lambs* the year before *Howard's End*. Mm -hmm. And all I have to say is that's one hell of a range. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave, she's in it. She's great. Emma uh, Thompson, who won an Oscar for this. Mm -hmm. and deservedly and so so yeah it, it stars a lot of people that i like or love so i really have no excuse not mm -hmm. to watch it at this point yeah and I, I i love the book and i love the movie so uh they they really nailed it they did a great job and they did a, a recent version of of it with um Haley atwell for the bbc that was also pretty good that's in, so. that's interesting. A uh, uh, that uh, Howard's End starring Agent Carter. I would yeah. not have <laughs> I would not have painted that, but there you go. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't half bad. It really wasn't. So, uh, so what's your next pick? So my next pick is uh, is from 2018. So it's pretty recent, and it's a comedy special. It is from the comedian Gabriel Iglesias, and the special is called I'm Sorry for What I Said When I Was Hungry. Uh, I am a big fan of Gabriel Iglesias's. Uh, I have been a fan of his since I saw his first special on Comedy Central back in 2007. Uh, I think I may have been a little too young to watch it, but there <laughs> it is. 
Uh, and I've seen all of his other specials leading up to I'm sorry for what I said when I was hungry. And he's like one of my favorite comics going today, like right behind guys like Bill Burr and Burt Kreischer and Joe Rogan is, is Gabriel Iglesias. And his, his, uh, he started out kind of like with a bit of a harder edge when he was just starting out, but chalk it up to him becoming a father or, you know, losing a ton of weight, but he has definitely toned down since then. So uh, I'm recommending this specific special because it's, it's also, it's, it's a very interesting special and it is very good, but it's also his most toned down version. Uh, some of the bits include how he talks about how all these hotels and convention centers and arenas now have like automatic paper towel dispensers that never work and automatic shampoo automatic soap dispensers that you hold your hand underneath for like two minutes and it does nothing but literally as soon as you walk away the soap comes out and lands right in the sink because the machines are taking over and then there are other things where he's like he's trying to get his son a job so he can get him out of the house and and he has a whole bit where he talks about at, at the time he was on a podcast with Snoop Dogg and let's just say some grass was involved. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's definitely got a bit of, uh, it, it's definitely a little mature, but I think, I think older kids can definitely get away with it. It's like, it's, it's definitely good for the whole family. And, uh, and he, and, and like I said, in the beginning, Iglesias started out kind of like on the edge, but now has gone, he's gotten a lot he, he's matured a lot and and one of the things that I like about him is that I've basically seen from where he was in 2007 all the way up to now and he's like he's like a completely different comedian now and uh and so yeah it's uh it's a really really good special cool that's great I'm like pretty unfamiliar I have to say with I've heard the name but I've never really heard any of his comedy so uh, so I'll have to check it out. It's 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 yeah, so great when was, you can find a good one. He's done a lot of uh, voice acting lately. He was in Coco as a uh, as a supporting player. I can't remember who he was at this second, but uh, but he's also been doing a lot of movies recently. Like he had he had a TV show like I think three years ago called uh, uh, I can't remember what it's called at the second, but he's he's been in TV. He's been in movies so it's he's definitely he's definitely been making the rounds yeah cool that's that's great when you can find one that you really really like uh one of those stand-ups because they're few and far between i mean a lot of them are just meh, what not that great so that's great when you can find one that really makes you laugh yeah and uh and netflix has been doing a lot of good comedy specials in the past mm -hmm. few years like like they've given Joe Rogan a lot of stuff to do. Uh, mm -hmm. Very controversial Dave Chappelle sticks and stones, which a lot of people hated, but I absolutely loved. And, uh, and there, and uh, Bert Kreischer just had a special recently and that was hysterical. So Netflix definitely has their finger on the pulse of, uh, of good comedy nowadays. Cool. Great. All right. Well, my next pick uh, is also a Netflix original, and it, it's uh, it's more for the it's more for the family uh, family beat than most comedy specials. Uh, but I reviewed it over on my blog. Uh, it's called Feel the Beat, 
actually. And this movie, if you're looking for something new and original, uh, like, then this is not the movie for you. This movie is very predictable. It's very much a formula. But I really enjoyed it. It's the kind of movie I like. Uh, it stars Sophia Carson, uh, who people might recognize from the Descendants movies over on Disney Channel. This is her first kind of, I feel like, more of a grown-up role. Uh, she plays this woman who was the big dance star in her town then goes to broadway and she can't get any parts and she kind of gets disgraced at the beginning and she ends up coming back and she is kind of tasked with helping this the town dance troupe make it for this competition and and uh, the, I, I just thought it was really cute. <laughs> I really, I enjoyed the group of girls. The movie has some diversity that you don't typically see in these kind of movies. Uh, and uh, I liked her boyfriend in the movie. Uh, he was pretty, pretty hunky. Uh, and he was her ex that she ditched before she moved to you know, to, to pursue her dreams. I mean, again, all this is sort of classic, uh, classic kind of storytelling, you know, the girl coming back from the big city and, you know, and uh, that's a very hallmark trope, but I like, I like the trope. What can I say? Uh, the guy's name is Wolfgang Navogratz, which is quite the name, uh, but he was good. He was pretty hunky. And the dancing, I mean, I could have used even more dancing than, than the, what they had, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, and the kids were super cute. And there's one of the girls is deaf uh, and she was great. There was a uh, black girl. There's a, uh, uh, all different, you know, all different girls there. Her best friend is played by an African-American, uh, Brandon Kyle Goodman. Uh, and he was fun. Uh, you have Rex Lee playing one of the judges. Uh, so, I don't know, it was a fun cast. Her dad is played by Enrico Cullen Tony, who Veronica Myers fans will, or will recognize him. Anyway, I just thought it was sweet and cute and the kind of movie that I just like to relax to and put on and just enjoy and will make you feel good. Something that you can watch as a family. And, uh, so yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I was reading about this plot, and I'm like, this screams Rachel Wagner so loud, <laughs> so loud it can be heard on the other side of the planet. And I, yeah. mean, that in, and I mean that in the nicest <laughs> and most flattering way possible, That's because right. I was reading this, I'm like, for a woman who has made an entire career about reviewing Hallmark movies on a podcast, like, this is, <laughs> this is her jam right here. Yeah, it really is. Someone yeah, yep. like Ryan's burying Rachel. No, that's not that's not what I'm trying to go for. But when I heard the name Wolfgang Novogratz, I, yeah. I was going to say like bless you <laughs> because I thought. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, it is that is a name, but he went with it. So hey, he didn't change his name. Uh, the, the movie does sound familiar however at the same time there are a lot of movies that i love that i've been like this premise has been done like a hundred times before like yeah. that's that's not what i that's not what i love about them what i love about them is that if they can excel in other areas yeah like i think the diversity kind of makes this different also typically i feel like with these kind of dance movies it's typically not little kids which is different you know usually it's like the step up movies or things like that's like older 
And uh, so it's, that makes it, I think, a little different. And I don't know, it was just charming. I, I, I don't, I think that, uh, that, you know, we have these formula films because we like the formulas. <laughs> and sure, it's great when a movie can get out of the formula, but I also think it's great when they can just execute the formula well and you just sit down and like, ah, oh, yes, just what I like. <laughs> so, exactly. And, yeah. uh, and, and you know the old cliche, you know, we're basically telling the exact same seven stories. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's directed by a woman, Ellis Down. It was just charming. It was a charming movie. So people should, people should check it out. I think you'll like it uh all right what's your next pick so we're going to be taking a hard left away <laughs> from like from this kind of movie and we're going to be talking about monster movies next because my next choice is from 1981 and it is the og clash of the titans uh this this is known primarily for one thing and it is the special effects from special effects legend ray harryhausen actually this was Ray Harryhausen's last movie that he worked on before his retirement. Uh, it was directed by Desmond Davis and starred uh, Harry Hamlin and Laurence Olivier and Burgess Meredith and, and a younger-looking Maggie Smith. But uh, the star of this movie is absolutely the special effects. Uh, these special effects in this movie are definitely freaky. I should let everyone know right now. I saw this movie way too early because when I saw the Medusa for the first time, I was like, oh, well, I'm sleeping with my nightlight on tonight. But, uh, but as I, as I rewatched it over and over again, I definitely grew to appreciate the movie a lot more. Uh, it's not based on one Greek myth. It's based on a bunch of Greek myths. Uh, basically, if you want like a good sampling size of a lot of the Greek myths that you've heard about, like, uh, like the gods and Zeus and Hades and all of that and the Kraken and Medusa and 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 the river Styx and all that then this will definitely give you everything you want and as I mentioned these special effects from Ray Harryhausen are just they're just wonderful they hold up even by today's very lofty standards uh, Harryhausen was a disciple of Willis O'Brien who did the effects for King Kong from 1933 and Harryhausen has worked on too many movies to mention, at least, at least in the context of this podcast. But I'll, I'll hopefully like to talk about it at a later date. Uh -huh. but, but Clash of the Titans definitely has a bit of a harder edge. But, if, but it's, it, it's, definitely, it's definitely tamed by today's standards. Uh, so Clash of the Titans, it's, uh, it's really good. Huh. I've never seen it. I, I mean, obviously, I've heard of it in the... Disney remake or wasn't very I heard wasn't very good uh but uh yeah but the don't original... don't watch don't watch the Liam Neeson one it's yeah. it's not it's not as good the, no. the Kraken looks amazing but the rest of the movie is just it's just not good yeah 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 I, I have to see that I love that old school uh VFX special effects uh Look, I, I mean, I, I love King Kong. I think it is such a good movie. And, uh, and the way they work in sort of stop motion, they work in uh, all different things to make the effects work as opposed to now where it's pretty much just, you know, digital. Uh, it, it's really makes it really fun. So it's cool to find the backstory behind that. 
behind all yeah. of that. And, I can't I can't remember if this is on the the nineteen thirty three King Kong that they released on DVD a while back, or if it's on Peter Jackson's uh-huh. Kong. But if you want something fun to watch, like take a look at this video that Peter Jackson and his crew did, where they tried to do they tried to do one of the infamous like scenes from the original King Kong that was cut for time reasons. Uh-huh. It involves a giant spider, and Jackson and the crew only they all they had to use was the original techniques that Willis O'Brien and his team used all the way back in the 30s. Uh-huh. And to see Peter Jackson, who has made all the Lord of the Rings movies and They Shall Not Grow Old, and just some of the greatest movies using CGI ever, actually struggle is just like, yeah. It, like it's like a mind-blowing thing because you're like you're peter jackson you should know this but he still is like uh i can't get this to work i gotta turn this around and it, and it's just it's it's gratifying in the best way possible yeah. so it I, I don't i think it may be on youtube i'm not sure but but if you want to look it up then it's definitely worth hunting down very cool great all right. Well, talk about, I guess, another hard left <laughs> from Clash of the Titans. Um, my next choice is called A Silent Voice. Uh, the Silent Voice, the movie, is the, is the total title. Uh, Kone Katachi is the Japanese title. This is an anime film uh, that was released in 2016. Uh, a lot of people kind of lump this together with your name. Uh, it's uh, it's It has some similarities because they're both about high school students, but it really is quite different in a lot of ways. It's by director Naoko Yamada, who is a a female director in uh it which is 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 rapidly becoming more thing in anime which makes me excited makes me happy uh this story is this is a long movie for uh, a a animated film uh it's uh where's it say um it's over two hours which is really unusual for an animated film and uh it's about this uh yeah it's uh it's uh 111 you can watch it either on a it's either it's around yeah it's uh one it's two hours 10 minutes is this movie so it's a long movie but it's about these two uh two characters there's a uh female named uh show there's a female named shoka uh and then there's a uh male named shoya and uh shoko she is deaf and she uh goes to school in a new school and she gets uh she gets picked on really bad and that is led by uh shoko who is sorry that is led by shoya i'm getting the names all mixed up shoya who who's a big bully and destroys her hearing aid really mean um then we find uh years later he is sort of racked with guilt about what he did and as he tries to kind of make things right uh because his life just starts going downhill and he tries to make it right and it doesn't absolve him of what he did but it's just trying to show some kind of humanity in what he did. Uh, 
in, in him as a human, as a flawed person. And uh, it's just a beautiful, devastating, especially if you're somebody who was bullied as a child, like I was, uh, it's, it's very, very devastating, uh, but beautiful. The music is so great. I absolutely love the music and it definitely could be shorter. It definitely is a slow paced film, but I just, I just absolutely love it. I think it was so wonderful. And uh, definitely, if you're somebody who's interested in anime or open to it at all, I, I think you should watch it and, uh, and see this beautiful human uh, story of redemption. Uh, yeah, I had, I had heard about this movie before and I was sitting here doing my research and I was like, wait a minute, where have I heard of this movie before? And I had and I had actually seen a really good review of it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this movie. And I had seen clips of it online, but I had never seen the movie all the way through to the end. But I've it, it's been in my list forever. And well, it's I I really should get on it because I I was reading over the um, reading over the plot. And as someone who was bullied myself a lot, and someone who and who has actually made up with one of the bullies that tormented me in elementary school and we're actually really good friends now. I, I really should go back and watch it because, you know, with that context in mind, it's in, it would be interesting to see how, um, how the movie does it. Yeah, I think then you'll really like this movie. It was in my top 10 that year. And uh, it's, it's, it's different than your name. A lot of people compare it to your name, but because, you know, they both have the same kind of high school dynamic. But in this case, this is a lot more personal to their personal journeys as opposed to sort of uh, having greater, bat, uh, greater uh, repercussions. Uh, and uh, you, just, you just get really invested in their story and who they are and, and how they're going to be able to forgive and and uh it's it's great so uh there is even a point where you visually see from the perspective of uh of the bully uh when he's uh when he's feeling ostracized and uh struggling and there's x's over everybody's face who who uh he can't you know he feel like he feel like he's let down and 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 then as he seeks to for redemption those x's become start to go away and i don't know i just i love it so yeah what's what's your next pick so my next pick and uh taking another hard left we're going to be taking a look at space balls from from writer (laughs) writer and director mel brooks uh this is the ultimate star wars star trek 2001 like this is the ultimate sci-fi movie parody movie or spoof movie or whatever okay. we're calling them these days uh it's basically got the rough plot of uh, of the first star wars uh but instead of han solo it's lone star he's played by bill pullman instead of chewbacca it's uh it's uh it's barf played by the legendary john candy may he rest in peace uh instead of darth vader it's darth helmet or dark helmet played by rick moranis uh, Mel Brooks is in there himself as President Scrooge, uh, and it's just, it's got a very, very talented cast. And like I said, 
this movie pokes fun at everything involving like Star Wars and Star Trek, but in the nicest way possible. Um, I'll say first and foremost that I think Mel Brooks's best movie is uh, is Blazing Saddles. Uh, it's one of the ones that uh, it, I think it's his best one overall, but I've seen Spaceballs the most. Uh, mm-hmm. It's especially relevant considering the Disney Star Wars movies that we have now. And just watching it with that context in mind, I'm like, they really should make a Spaceballs 2. Like, they should really make, like, Spaceballs 2, the search for more money, because they have just all of all of the source material in the world to go off of to go yeah, off on they and really they, do. <laughs> like the fans and Raylo and just and the Snoke fake out and the director changes and Kathleen Kennedy and yeah Mel Brooks is like like all right just give me a budget and I'll be all set <laughs> but yeah. to put the put the period at the end of the sentence Spaceballs is genuinely really funny and it's 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 got a lot of it's got a lot of adult jokes that went over my head when I was younger, but now they're just like, oh, that's what that meant. Oh, mm-hmm. and there's also a really, really funny homage to Alien, and I'll just leave it at that. You'll know it when you yeah. see it. My favorite of Mel Brooks is Young Frankenstein. That's 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 my favorite, but that's I, that's another that's another good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah especially uh, that scene where the blind lady serving soup or blind man yeah i love that scene so much but uh but yeah the (laughs) madeline khan is just the most hilarious person i think oh and igor is is unaware that he actually has a hump (laughs) yeah um but uh but yeah no i mean spaceballs is hilarious it's uh it's it uh it's surprising to hear that it didn't do all that well as far as critics when it came out because i don't know i i think it's one of the better parody films that has uh, that has been made Uh, i think it's really funny i mean parody is tough to do it's very tough to execute well but I think they they do a good job. It's been a while since I've seen it, but uh, I definitely remember laughing quite a bit. So yeah, that's uh, as, that's especially true. Uh, parody being a very hard thing to do, considering in the last few years we've gotten Vampire Suck, which is a parody yeah. of the Twilight films, and it wasn't even good. Yeah, it was and worse then, than Twilight films for real. And <laughs> and then we got Fifty Shades of Black from the Wayans brothers oh and gosh. that was somehow less entertaining than the thing that they were parodying. <laughs> How does that work? I don't know. Yeah, for real. Oh my gosh. Uh well, my fourth pick and I admit this is totally stretching it as far as hidden gems, but I felt like talking about it, so it's my show so I can break the rules. <laughs> uh so today we're we're talking about Sleepless in Seattle, one of my favorite quasi-comedies. I'd say it's more dramedy, but I love writer and director Nora Ephron. I think that she had such a great gift for witty banter and working in uh, working in sort of mini diatribes into her scripts that were so right on and hilarious and, and thoughtful and, and thought-provoking and 
she's a great essayist. Uh, her books of essays are so wonderful. And, I, and she managed to kind of, I think, bring that into a lot of her movies. And uh, I love uh, the, I love Salubus in Seattle for a lot of reasons. I actually, some of my favorite parts about it are kind of, it's more emotional uh, beats that you have. Uh, it's a really great movie talking about grief and living with grief and how, how we, how we're able to cope. And Tom Hanks, when he's talking to the therapist, because uh, he calls into a therapist and the therapist uh, bills him as sleepless in Seattle. She gives him kind of the names and, and she's, he's talking about his dead wife and the way that he talks about her is so emotionally true that I think anybody can relate to when he says, you know, that, uh, that, uh, he, she, she was just everything that he, uh, he could ever want. And he was just, she was just walking, uh, uh, they were just sharing it basically like sharing a cab. And that was, that was all it took for him to know that he, that she was the one. And, and when he says, he talks about just breathing in, breathing out every day, that's all he can do. And you see her, you see Meg Ryan listening and she's peeling this apple and <laughs> just completely like lost in his, in what he's saying. And they have that sort of spiritual connection, which is always something I really relate to in a film because I'm a spiritual person and I love it. I, 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 uh, I just, I know I could listen to him talking about, about his, his experiences all the time. I love Bill Pullman as the other, the other guy. And I love when he says to her, life's too marriage is hard enough without starting with such low expectations <laughs> and uh it's a great they have a great breakup scene i think between them and he's got all the allergies and everything um <laughs> uh, I, I david hyde pierce from fraser he's in this um it's just great i like rosie o'donnell is her bff i love the whole scene when when Rita Wilson <laughs> are crying about uh, had an affair to remember, um, yeah, it's it's a, a great film, so you should watch it. Yeah, this is this is yet another one that I had always heard about but never had the chance to see. Well, now it's on Netflix, and I really don't have much of a uh, much of an excuse now. You should see it, and I honestly watch with a box of tissues because it oh, that has some emotional parts. It really does. So, what's your yeah. next pick? One more note before we move on. Yeah. Honestly, the most uh, the most I had ever heard about the movie was that it was one that it was in a scene in the movie The Cable Guy with uh, with Matthew oh, Broderick yeah? and Jim Carrey, and Jim Carrey was like sleepless in seattle's on i recommend that you show that to your wife or, or i can't remember what how the scene goes but uh -huh. that's that's the only that's one of the only times that i remember it from oh okay interesting that's interesting yeah it's it's really good it's got a good script uh so what's your next pick so my final choice is from 1997, and it is called donnie brasco uh this was directed by mike newell who would go on to direct Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, among other movies. And, and this has a lot of things that I love in it. It's got Al Pacino in it. It's got Johnny Depp in it. It's got Michael Madsen in it. And to tie, tie the bow on the present, this is based on a true story. Uh, 
there it tells the story of an FBI agent named Joe Pistone or Pistone. I've heard both. Uh, he's played by Johnny Depp in a rare non Jack Sparrow role, and he goes undercover into the mob, and uh, and it's run by Al Pacino, who I I feel like his his career will forever be tied to gangster movies, which hey that ain't a bad thing, <laughs> and slowly but surely. Uh, as Donnie Brasco, Pistone kind of becomes sympathetic to the mob cause and starts to kind of lose his footing a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't go f so far as to say that Donnie Brasco is like Godfather good or Goodfellas good, but it's still, it's still got a lot of great stuff in here. Uh, uh, Al Pacino is always awesome in anything that he is in. I mean, maybe except for grown-ups, but that's a whole nother kit and caboodle. <laughs> uh, I don't want to dump too much on Johnny Depp because uh, the, of the stuff with Amber Heard. I uh, I used to think I I don't want to dump on him too much, but there was a time after he was in Pirates of the Caribbean where he is like, I'm just going to be this character forever, which is why we right. got Lone Ranger and Dark Shadows and just... Oh, too many, just too many <laughs> to mention. But I think what people forgot was that he can actually be a really great actor in movies like Donnie Brasco or Ed Wood or Edward Scissorhands or just, and there's too many others to name. Black Mass from 2015, which is not on Netflix, but is another recommendation there. Uh, it's a bit, it's a bit of a longer movie at just over two hours, but it's, uh, it's not like, like Irishman length, so you can get through it in one sitting. Uh, Donnie Brasco is definitely one that fell under the radar, and I think absolutely everybody should take a look at it. Yeah, I actually kept bringing this up, this movie up last year with The Irishman because I wasn't a big fan of The Irishman. I I don't know. I just felt like it uh, it was. Uh, took forever to kind of make his make its point and yeah towards the end it finally kind of had something to say but uh but i don't know i just didn't i thought i didn't think the characters were very interesting in irishman uh, yeah but, by, the, by the time the interesting stuff happened it was 45 minutes into the movie and i wasn't like all right martin scorsese returning to gangster epics impress me like i wasn't being that guy but yeah. i just i had paused the movie because i was going to church and so i was like it has been 45 minutes and we are just now getting to the stuff with jimmy <laughs> hoffa i'm like spare me the the freaking next two hours and God, how many minutes left in this? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they set up the the character as a soldier for the mafia. He says he's going to do the same thing. He's going to treat the mafia the same way he, tra he treated being a soldier in the army, which is fine, but it's not very interesting as far as the character for the screen because he, he, he kind of gives up his agency, gives up his autonomy uh, to the mafia. It's not until he finally starts to kind of question those orders and question uh, the, you know, what he's doing that it, okay, this is finally getting interesting. And I think that, that the characters in Donnie Brasco are far more interesting than the characters in, uh, in the Irishman. And because they have, they, they are questioning what's happening. They're, they're complex characters. And I, I don't know. I just, 
it's just it's such a much much tighter better executed story and i don't think it's given near the credit that it deserves because it doesn't maybe doesn't have sort of a flashy name attached to it as far as a director or writer uh, but I, I think it's excellent and I, I would definitely highly recommend it. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a really good pick. Very well acted. Uh, it's something that has something to say. Uh, whereas for some reason, these, these mob movies can be a bit, uh, a bit languid sometimes as far as their pacing. Yeah. Like, like, especially like I, and I hate to dump on the Irishman. I didn't hate it, but just, God, with the pacing, I was just hearing SpongeBob yeah. timestamps like <laughs> three weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Uh, I was fully, I was fully expecting to be the, uh, to be the so much later that the old narrator had to leave and they had to hire a new one. And I'm just <laughs> like, I would have just been a skeleton watching this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, my last pick. It is uh, for the movie The Witches. And this is if you're looking for something a little bit scary that's also, I think, family appropriate. Uh, this is from 1990. And uh, it's based on the Roald Dahl classic novel about the old lady witches that are in disguise and that want to eat children, <laughs> which is such a great sort of plot device for a, uh, for a movie for kids, you know, because obviously... A family picture. Yeah, a family <laughs> picture. And it is pretty scary. Angelica Houston plays the headmaster of the witches, and you have the little kid that gets... Uh, that's, uh, that it disturbs their head council, their high council, and uh it's it's really well done uh you have brenda blethen is in here you have a bunch of other people uh that you'd recognize and it's creepy and well done and uh, if you like that those kinds of sort of family uh family scary movies then then you definitely like it and and we were going to have a new version this year but i don't think it's coming out now until next year so uh, someone to look forward to with Anne Hathaway, evidently. So, yeah, and uh, uh, no, I had never even heard of it. But considering the fact that I love Angelica Houston, I mean, I love the the entire Houston family. Angelica being the daughter of John Houston, mm -hmm. director of Maltese Falcon and Treasure of the Sierra Madre. Yeah, uh, I just I tend to find a lot of a. a I tend to find a lot of Angelica Houston's performances good to great. So I'll definitely uh, have to hunt this one down. Yeah, it's pretty scary. Uh, it really is. So I think you'd like it. I really do. I think you would. I think you'd like it. It definitely so. sounds like something up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, this was really fun. It's uh, always great to talk about all these movies uh, with you and to give our hidden gems. And let us know if you're listening, if you have seen any of these movies, what have you been watching on Netflix? We'd love to hear your suggestions for us. That would be great. And Ryan, how can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. And then on my YouTube channel, it is RyanCam Movie Reviews. And uh, this actually happened just as we are recording this. I just hit 90 subscribers. I feel, nice. I feel <laughs> like that's so many people. 
because <laughs> even though I, I've been doing this YouTube game for like four years now, I just, uh, it, it never, it, it was like very, very slow growth, but I took it seriously, you know, like this year. And it's just like, it's seeing, seeing it go up is just really something special because think about it. It's 90 people saying, you know what? We like what this guy has to say, subscribe. Yeah. And it's just like, it's, it's so flattering. I feel like my heart is growing three sizes, like in the Grinch. But <laughs> anyway, uh, on, the chan on the channel, I have the AFI project. Uh, yesterday, I just dropped my video for To Kill a Mockingbird, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. And it's just one of the best book adaptations ever, in my opinion. Uh, tomorrow, which is a Wednesday, I'll be dropping my video for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And then after that will be uh, will be 1952's High Noon. So mm -hmm. a lot of stuff going on there. I also have Nolan Month, which tended might be delayed, but I'm in the middle of Nolan Month, so I might as well at least finish it off. That's great. That all sounds really, really good. I uh, And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. Please check that out. I have a new review for a my latest Barbie review, Barbie A Fashion Fairy Tale, this week. So check that out. It's pretty fun. <laughs> and lots of other fun stuff happening. There's also at the Hallmarkies podcast. We have a ton of fun stuff this week. So make sure you're checked into there. And thanks so much, Ryan. I really appreciate it. And we will talk next week. Yes, we will. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.